Gracious Father, uphold me that I might uplift thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I was coming in here today and I bumped into Dean Limehouse. I said to him, uh, you know, this message is a little tough today. He said to me with characteristic pastoral skill, well, you chose it. (laughs) And actually I did. I believe that, I hope, I pray that I'm bringing what God has given me to give to you. And I want to base it around a verse in Acts chapter 19 and verse 26 where the silversmiths of Ephesus are up in arms about Paul's preaching. And this is what they say. You see in here how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. Andrew and I have a friend. He is a Frenchman and a wealthy banker. And in very many ways, a good and generous man. His passion is he collects 17th century English silver plate. He strongly identifies himself as a French Protestant, though I have never known him to ever attend a church. More than once, however, he has dragged me into the basement of his home, his nuclear shelter, which they insist on in in Switzerland, dragged me down there to show me the contents of his silver collection. More than once, he's caught me off balance by telling me that the contents of the basement are his security. Monsieur, this is my security. St. Paul says that man-made gods are no gods. Why? Because man-made gods have no power other than the power that we give to them. And they cannot, let me repeat this, they cannot save you. A bit of financial security is not a bad thing, but when it becomes our total security, it takes power over us. Some of us have to face the very difficult question as to whether or not our money and possessions own us, rather than we own them. And when stuff gets to the point where we give it power to the extent that it gets in our way of our relationship with God, It's what the Bible somewhat uncompromisingly calls idolatry. And of course, we read a fair bit about idolatry, not least in the Old Testament. In many ways, it all seems so uncomplicated then. People made their images of stone and rock and metal, and they worshipped them. We might well be tempted to think that because most of us, at least as far as I have observed during my time here, most of us don't have shrines in our homes with gods of metal, stone and wood, that idolatry is not a problem for us. I've heard that argument, and frankly, it's nonsense. For if idolatry were defined like that, simply by graven images, it would not be a problem for us. But I want to suggest to you 
that idolatry is not just about graven images. At base level, idolatry is anything that I give power to in my life or we give power to in our culture that undermines our relationship with God. Let me say that again because it's important. Idolatry is anything that I give power to in my life or we give power to in our culture that undermines our relationship with God. At basic level, that's what idolatry is. And what this means, and what I observe on my travels, is that we do live in idolatrous cultures in the West. Why, well, you should have seen and heard the devotion of the parrot heads prior to Jimmy Buffett's concert on Saturday night. As John Bach famously said, idolatry is not good for anyone, not even the idols. But many of the idols of our culture are a little more subtle than images of wood and stone. The idol of human reason. The idol of science. John Paul II said, Science can purify religion from error and superstition, but religion can purify science from idolatry and false absolutes. The idol of money, of beauty, of celebrity, of sex. You can see the subtlety of the devil's wily tricks here. For none of the things that I have mentioned is essentially, essentially in a philosophical sense, wrong. Indeed, we might truly say that they are gifts from God, and yet our culture, and very often ourselves, have elevated them and given power, and they hold us in their grip. They are cultural deities, but they are not the living God. They are not the living God. They cannot save you. And the only power they have is the power that you give to them. One of my favourite preachers, Tim Keller, makes the very good point that when Paul preached the gospel, he first discerned the idols in the culture into which he preached. He then verbally attacked those idols and destroyed them. The effect of that, says Keller, is that those who said yes to the gospel that Paul preached were counter-cultural. They thought, acted, and lived differently, for their idols had been destroyed. Elaine Padgel, not somebody I quote frequently, a feminist theologian, in answer to the question, what did the early Christians talk about before they had uh, the complete and finished Bible in their hands, which of course was several centuries after the life of Christ, she concluded that apart from having the Old Testament, they told stories of martyrdom and celibacy. Immediately, you can see that those early Christians were different than the Roman culture in which they found themselves. And of course, all this is a great challenge to those of us who follow Christ in this world in the 21st century. We might have to ask ourselves the questions as fo question as followers of Christ, how different do we look to the rest of culture? How differently do we think? How different do our lives look in relation to the culture in which we exist? For one thing is sure, that in these increasing days of secularization of our cultures, unchurched people will not be attracted by religion light. 
Skin deep commitment to Christ is profoundly ugly to unbelievers. Much has been written about this and the conclusions are somewhat depressing. Put well in a mission report in the United Kingdom which said something like this. Too many Christians today look and behave exactly like everyone else plus church going. This is not the time to work through the ramifications for all this in terms of the gospel we preach in our churches. But already those churches that specialise in feel-good religion and prosperity teaching are found very badly wanting and in my view should be avoided. But let's think about our own response to God today. Remember we said that an idol is something we give power to in our culture or our lives. It may not be essentially bad but it can become bad when we elevate it to an extent that it gets in the way of our relationship with God. Our pursuit of our careers can become an idol. Our stuff, our money and possessions can become an idol. Even family can become an idol. My body can become an idol. My quest for the body beautiful. As I've said, in our personal lives as well as in our culture, sex can become an idol. And power can become an idol. The list is long and confusing. Who says that family is a bad thing? Well, of course it's not. But if you let the family have a power of your life that gets in the way of God, then it becomes an idol and is unhealthy. And you might be saying, they say, well, how could that happen? Well, I think we make family an idol when we're so scared of our teenage kids' rebellion that we agree to things and turn a blind eye to things in such a way that our own values are seriously compromised. Parents with addicted children know this temptation very well. We all want to look good, even me. But when obsession with our bodies becomes something that we overspend on and have lost control of, it becomes an idol. We understand sex to be a gift from God, but when it becomes an unhealthy obsession and we look for outlets for our sexual appetites beyond marriage, then we have made sex an idol. Let me give you for a moment the flavour of some very basic Judeo-Christian teaching. The Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me, says the Lord. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Man-made gods are no gods at all. Trusting in them, my friend, can only end up in tears, and often it does. No, the only solution is surrender to the living God, who is faithful, and who has the power to save us and to change us. Man-made gods are no gods. Surely the old hymn by Hudson van der Ten, All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow, worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. Hudson was a man who lived in the 19th century, who had an idol in his life, and that was to become a great artist. 
It was only when he realized that his desire to become a great artist was his idol and repented and gave himself to the living God could he write words like that all to Jesus I surrender so what are we to do well the first thing I encourage you to do is be honest with yourselves and name your idol what is it that gets in the way of Jesus being the Lord of your life what undermines your full devotion and when you've named it confess it tell God you are sorry and you want to turn around and live your life differently and seek the grace and the help of his Holy Spirit through his amazing forgiveness wrought on the cross of Calvary and as you know but as you find very difficult I think you have to surrender all to Jesus I surrender Lord I give myself to thee fill me with thy love and power let thy blessing fall on me my friend took me to the basement of his house to show me where his security his idol was 17th century English play pathetic but seductive but my friend when was the last time you looked in the basement of your soul when was the last time you were prepared to face the truth about yourself? When did you sort out the junk that we gather in that basement? For man-made gods are no gods. They are seductive, but in the end, the only power they have is that which we give them, and it can never be power to save. The reformer Jean Calvin wrote this. He said, man's mind is like a store of idolatry and superstition. So much that if a man believes his own mind, it is certain that he will forsake God. And forge some idol in his own brain. Today, today is the day of salvation. And I urge you, I implore you. I plead with you that you would be open and honest enough to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to name the idol in your heart and give it up. All to Jesus, I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. This may be your moment for as Paul would have it, and I sense we know this. Men made gods are no gods at all. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.